it's just me hanging out, eating some pasta. Nobody else is on the call yet, so we're just hanging out. So I'm, uh, I'm going to use this time and just speak a little bit, talk talk a bit, speak my mind. You know how it is. So for those of you listening, and I know, I know Max always says not to address the audience, but it, it's just you and me. It's some private time right now. I'm John, just in case you forgot. I'm I'm one of the louder ones on the podcast, and you know, it's, it's just kind of how I am. I'm a loud guy, especially with friends. Uh, a little bit about myself. I very much enjoy Mighty Taco and Mac and Cheese. I'm not sure if it's come up at all yet, but I am a slut for Mighty Taco and Mac and Cheese. And I just feel like you should know this information because, you know, I care about you. You know, you're, you're the reason the podcast is still going right now. Either that or my stubbornness, and I'm not sure which. But we gotta work together. We gotta keep the podcast going. And I just I just want you to know a little bit more about me, and I thought I'd take this time to share that with you so we could have a deeper connection, because, you know, you're the listeners. We care about you, even even if Max pretends that you don't exist. So, yeah, just wanted to share that information with you, deepen our bond a little bit, and, and yeah, enjoy. I want to be, like, one of those, like, professional Rocket League players that have, like, no decal. That's going to be me. There, like, I don't know, maybe it's not in Rocket League, but I know in, like, League of Legends, there's, like, a player that's, like, really, really good, and his whole thing is that he doesn't use any skins, and so he uses the base skin. Oh, so you want to, like, do that? Yeah, because I'm, I'm going to be a professional Rocket Leaguer someday. Right, because you're, yeah. you're humble, right? Yeah. You remember your humble beginnings. Exactly. I was, I was asked today, like, what do you like about math, right? And I think it's right. a lot of... A lot of sort of the theory behind it. I like, I enjoy real, I enjoyed real analysis, right? And I think it's sort of the same with computer science. Like, I think it's interesting thinking about the theory behind why things work and why things don't work. Right. Like, I hate the data science part where it's like, let's run a bunch of tests and see which one performs the best. Right. That was a lot of machine learning. I took machine, I also really like machine learning that I took, but mm-hmm. there is a lot of, how do you know which model's the best? Well, you just try them all and pick, you know, see which one's the best. <laughs> it's always, it's, it's like very interesting that when I, like sometimes when I tutor people, it's interesting to see the things that they make mistakes on because for me, a lot of times it's just like, oh, obviously like this is how you do it. Right, you know? Right. Like the one thing, one thing I often see is like when you have like, 2 plus 3b over 2, right? And they say that's equal to 1 plus 3b, right? They right. have So they have they divide the 2 with the first like, number, yeah. um, but not the second number, right? Right. And, like, whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, like, it's obvious. Like, if you just learn some math, like, it's obvious right. that this is not how it works. But I was, the other day, I was looking back through um, some of my, like, old, like, 8th grade, math homeworks when I was like doing algebra and uh-huh. stuff like that. And like there were multiple occasions where I got points off for doing that exact same thing. Right. <laughs> and it was just like, it was just like interesting to me because I think it does show that like things shouldn't be well, taken you, you as become, granted. Yeah. Yeah. You become used to what you know. Like I had the same feeling uh, TAing for computer science because like I almost, I, I forgot what it was like to not understand some certain concepts in computer science and mm-hmm. so i had a hard time like explaining it because i was like well this just makes perfect sense to me <laughs> i had yeah i had to figure that out exactly um, yeah i'll piggyback on that uh <laughs> tutoring 
Tutoring chemistry, specifically trying to teach naming polyatomic ions. Because there's no pattern that you learn. It's just, this is called right. this, yeah. this is called this. And, like, the number of times a student will come in and we'll be going over it. And they have, they'll have no idea what ammonium is, right? And they'll be like, alright, so, like, how can I remember this? And I distinctly remember one class, Mr. <laughs> back in high school, was just like, you just have to know it. So that's like my go-to when there's when they're just like, yeah. okay, so why why is it this? Why why do I have to know it this way? Why is it not called something else? And I just I'm like, honestly, that's just how it is, and you just have to kind of memorize it. Right. Yeah. Right. Because like naming acids is easy. Because well, not easy, but like once yeah, you know the names, rule, yeah, yeah. Once you know the names of the polyatomic ions, it's based on that, and then you just change the ending pretty much for a bunch of them, right. or you add a certain thing based on the number of oxygens or whatever, right? So it's it's like there's a there's a rule, there's a pattern, there's a trend to follow. But polyatomic ions is the worst because it's just arbitrary. It seems I'm sure there might be a pattern if you like really looked at it, but there isn't one simple enough that a freshman chemistry college student would understand, right? Especially since most of the people I tutor are bio majors taking chemistry. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting the whole idea of kind of learning things in that sense. Have you ever seen there's a graph of like how whenever you learn something, if you kind of put put on like two axes like competence and consciousness, like oh yeah, I I, th I think I know what you're you gonna start say, yeah. with like unconscious incompetence. I don't know what right. I'm doing, and I don't know what I don't know in what I'm doing. And then you, as right. you do it more, you get into the conscious incompetence. So you don't know what you're right. doing, but you can kind of tell. I know it's a polyatomic ion, yeah. but I don't know what it is. <laughs> and then there's like that sweet spot of conscious competence. But then as you keep going, you go back down into unconscious competence, which I think is what you're kind of talking about, Max. Right. Which is basically like it's automatic, so you don't even know how you know it at that exactly. point. Exactly, and that makes it yeah. hard to teach. Yeah. Right. I've heard the same thing applied to music, where like you start off when you know you're playing like air guitar, you don't know how to play guitar. You imagine it's pretty easy, you know, <laughs> sure. but you don't even know how hard it is. Then you start playing, you're like, oh, this is actually really hard. Like, there's no way I can play this. Like, I yeah. actually have to push the notes in, and you know, and then you get to a point where, all right, well, I've practiced a lot. Like, I can play, but I have to think about really what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, the ideal of music is to be able to play without even thinking about it. You it's just like automatic. It's, you yeah, know, it just comes. Especially like in jazz, where it's so based off of improvisation, where you have to like be able to come up with something without even thinking about what you're doing. Mm. That's like the the ideal. Oh, totally. Know? Of course, that does make it hard to teach because if someone's like, "Oh, well, why did you do that?" or like, "What are you doing?" Oh, I don't even like. I literally don't know. You yeah, know exactly. I mean? Yeah. I would just. I just wanted to mention another another time with math. With that is that I was trying to explain like someone had like so it was it was one over one over x right one over one over x right sure okay and yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. trying to explain to them that that was equal to x. Uh -huh. And like I was just like you just flip. Oh it, my like. god! <laughs> oh, that was so bad. No, and I was just explaining to them like you flip it, like and then like I showed them examples that like one over one wait, over wait, two. Wait, 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 wait! I'm sorry. I just remembered that you guys are playing Rocket League. I, I have no <laughs> idea what it just happened, but that uh, occurred to me. So right, no, like for it, for it. I was showing them examples, like right, like one over one over two. And I'm like, this is so. This is two, right? So obviously this is two because you just flip the flip the denominator because. The denominator is a fraction, so you put it up top, easy peasy, right? And they were just, like, not right. getting it. I was going for five minutes. It took someone else that I was also tutoring that was like, hey, look, you can multiply uh, top and bottom by X over X. 
Ah. And then the bottom cancels, and then you get the X on top. And it was just such a, like, a, like, I never even thought about, like, obviously, if there's right. a fraction in the bottom, you just flip it, and you get, get it in the top. Right, right. Then you get questions that go the other way, where it's like, I'm going to use chemistry, because that's what I do the most, where it's like, all right, so how come iron can be plus two or plus three in an oxidation state? And you sit there, and you look at them, and you're like, I would love to teach you that, but that is yeah. uh, junior-level chemistry. That's called inorganic or analytical right. And I don't think you want to sit here and listen to me do an entire lecture on why that's the case. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing with computer science when someone's like, oh, why are there some methods static and some methods aren't? And I'm like, well, I could explain that to you, but you probably don't want me to. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, it's like a, I could sit here for the next three hours and teach you this thing, but do you want to sit here for three hours? Because I don't. It reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of teaching computer science. Because, like, I remember, like, one of the first classes, right? He said, you guys start off your class with public static void mainstream args. And that's just yeah. how it's going to be. <laughs> so you're just going to, that's, that's, that's how you're going to write all your programs. All your programs are going to have this class, and they're yep. all going to start with public static void mainstream args. <laughs> and if you want to print something, you do system.out.print, and that's how, just uh -huh. how it's done. And you just trust it. <laughs> and you're just like, all right. <laughs> right? Yeah. You just, you just got to be brave, and you just got to accept that that's how it is. You just got to be brave. The cool thing about that, like an intro level course, is ideally, in my opinion, if you're teaching it right, you can go back later after learning about like how to write methods, method headers, and all that, and be able to recognize what it is you've been actually writing the whole mm -hmm. time. Yeah, 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 we never did that. That's definitely yeah. not something <laughs> yeah. coming from the, the man in the room who's taken one computer science class. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until it wasn't until probably probably. Um, my internship after freshman year that I realized what args was like, cause I understood the public static void main. One of you guys. Right. But I didn't under right. even st understand like what the args part was until like I started doing command line arguments in like during my internship. And I'm like, Oh, so you can send in arguments here. We yeah. went over I arguments pretty early in the intro level class and people had a really hard time differentiating between uh, function arguments and command line arguments. Like the instructions would say, have the user pass in a value on the command line. And then they would be like typing in the value they wanted to pass in, like in their code. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, you want the user to pass that in. Because the hard part about programming is you kind of have to pretend that you're two people, right? You're both the programmer and the user. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you're testing it, obviously. And so as, as someone who's doing it for the first time, they expect, oh, I'm just going to write this and it'll work, you know what I mean? They don't have the concept of you're writing this for someone else. Yeah, exactly. Know? It's like, oh, I'm the user. I'm just going to put it in. But no, I remember, have... I remember my... Sorry, Jesse, I keep interrupting you. Um, no, you're good. Go for it. Phil. One last thing. None of remember... you interrupted each other. You're just talking at the same time. Sorry. <laughs> I just remember... Um, <laughs> I just remember my game of life, right? And we did we did the game of life before we learned about objects. And I was like... I know these functions are a thing, but they only work if I put static there. So I'm just going to put static in front of my functions. Right. And so, like, I just had a bunch of functions that were just static. And I think, like, I remember I had, like, a 500-line game of life or something like that. It was insane. It was, like, like looking back on it, it's, like, way too much. You know, I, I want to say one of the things taking up a lot of space on my computer is Eclipse, and I can't bring myself to get rid of it. <laughs> I just, I'm sentimentally attached. Oh, I miss STEM stuff. I go. I feel like... <laughs> yeah, you're an English teacher. 
You know what? And you know what's the trouble with it too? And I've been feeling this recently because like I've just been doing a lot of homework and like, I don't know, writing essays just puts me, I, I'm an overthinker. Are you guys overthinkers? About essays? No, uh, get it done. Not about yes. essays. No. I mean, just I? in general. I mean about life. Oh, yeah. Like, just oh, yeah. Like, I overthink all the time. Like everything. And like, you know, that's I a sign like of anxiety. My major doesn't really help with that, you know? Like, I think being an English major makes me overthink more oh, sometimes. Come on. I mean, yeah, because your job as as an English teacher is usually, hey, think about this thing. Like, it's it's philosophy, but with a little more direction based on whatever author you're reading. Exactly. It's like my mind's always going on this kind of, like, analytical rampage towards life. And I feel like if I'm really good at, like, doing math or if I'm writing a program, like, I get to kind of escape from that. Almost like what you were talking about, Max, with the, (sighs) the music, once you're good at it, you know? Right. It's kind of that, it's like that flow state. But is that possible for English though? Is it possible for, to like analyze literature without thinking yeah. about it? You know what I mean? I mean, I guess. I, I felt that a little bit this morning. I wrote like a seven page paper in two and a half hours. It was like, it was just like boom, boom, boom. Wow. That's like the longest I've ever taken to write a paper. <laughs> <laughs> God. I've always, I always wonder, like, it's YouTube comments, but also like I'm thinking like, twitch like twitch chat right because if you look at a lot of the popular streamers right twitch chat goes so fast and it's just like a single word and like it's so weird because like the chances of whoever's streaming seeing that one word right is like minuscule right right but like everyone doing it doing it at once is somehow like like just uh, and also just, like, the idea of, like, YouTube comments, right? Because, like, no one's going to look at YouTube comments. Uh, well, people, I don't know. If, I don't if, know if that's true. Like, 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 if we're talking about, like, I'm not talking about, like, people that ask, like, okay, put in the comments what you think and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I'm talking about, like, like companies, for example. Like, sure, sure, sure. companies. Companies. Um, I feel like they, like, individual creators, sure, they, they'll look at YouTube comments, they'll look at feedback and stuff like that. But, like, in general, like, I feel like companies like Vivo or whatever, like, the, all the music video yeah. stuff, like, there's oh, no one that, there's no, way, yeah, there's, right. no there's no one that, that's going to look through the comments. But people still feel the need to comment, like, oh, great music or something like that. Well, because people watching the video will probably look through the comments. That's who they're commenting for, not for, like, the creator, right? But, like, um, and in who, fact, some, like, I once heard on a podcast someone say that, like, there are, like, two kinds of YouTubers. Mm-hmm. There are YouTubers who, when someone leaves a comment, they leave a comment for the YouTuber, like they are talking to the YouTuber, and then there are YouTubers where they are talking about the YouTuber, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, different levels of fame, like, a super famous YouTuber, you're not going to be, you know, commenting on, like, a PewDiePie video talking to PewDiePie, like, hey, hi, PewDiePie, I love the video. But if it's, like, a, a smaller YouTuber, you're going to be writing a comment that is to that YouTuber because you know, oh, well, this is a small channel, so they will probably actually see it. Sure. And that, that- shift, when you start noticing that the other type of comments where people are talking about you and not to you is like how you know that's when you've made it that that's when you've made it right <laughs> like you've crossed some sort of threshold mm-hmm. um i wonder if there's like a consistent number of subscribers or something you know if there's a, a number that correlates yeah. to that i mean it's oh, obviously like a gradual the threshold change, is constant right? mm-hmm. yeah but if it's if it starts at like a constant point sure yeah yeah i feel like it also be... it depends on the type of content that you're making Probably. Yeah, definitely some content is more, like, participatory than others. So. Yeah. Like, if you're, like, a music channel, a music video channel, right? 
mo- mm-hmm. I feel like most of the comments are going to be about, like, obviously after a certain point, but, like, that it reaches that point a lot sooner just because of the type of stuff you're making. Right. But it's just, like, it's just, like, interesting to me. This like, and it's also, like, with Reddit and stuff, too. It's, like, as an individual, like, there's a lot of times I feel like it's just, like, drowned in the noise. But, like, it's because right. of, a, like, a, a collective drowning that it then gets noticed. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, you mean if everyone says sort of, like, a similar thing, the yeah. idea will still get be gotten across? Yeah. It still will get across, but it's not, like, credited to any one Right, person. any one person, yeah. Right, yeah, I know what you mean, right. So, so it's actually, like, where did that idea come from? It's just sort of, like, a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. But if any one person didn't say it, it would still get the idea across, you know? Exactly, yeah. It's, like... It's almost like um, I was working with Jess the other day and she had an essay and she mentioned the tragedy of the commons. It's like almost the reverse yeah. of that because the tragedy of the commons is like any one person doesn't realize like is like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to throw this plastic away because it's easier for me. Right. But right. And but and they're like, oh, it doesn't really damage the environment that much. It's just like one right. piece of plastic. But, like, everyone does it, and so... Right. Um, the environment and the important thing about the, the tragedy of the commons is there's actually, like, individually, there's an incentive to do the the thing that is bad for everyone collectively. Yeah. Like, in this case, not recycling, right? Mm-hmm. Individually, it, every individual makes the decision, should I recycle or not? And for every individual, it makes more sense not to recycle. But collectively, yeah. it makes sense for everyone yeah. uh, to recycle. Yeah. Because if everyone recycles except one person, then that one person who doesn't recycle is fine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if only one person recycles, then it's pointless. Like, that one person thinks, what am I? No one else is doing this. Why should I do it too? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not actually helping. Mm-hmm. So then they say, well, then I, you know. And then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Was she was she taking, like, a political science course that she talked about? It? Or was it, like, politics? Or do you, remember, do you know what course it was? Oh, no. It was, like environmental environmental oh, conservation okay. i think yeah it was yeah. a bio course or an abec course because i because i uh learned about that stress in a, in a political science course like related yeah. to voting max uh no related to just why government needs to exist mm-hmm. right because the solution to that is to force people to do what is collectively good you know yeah uh sure. the example that that we learned about was like farmers uh letting cattle graze on a public field right so if everyone lets their cows graze like unobstructed then it'll eventually the field will go barren and no one will be able to use it so that's obviously the worst case scenario but the issue is you know let's say some you set restrictions like or you have an agreement where it's like all right well we'll only let our our cattle graze one day a week or something but then the problem is one farmer says, well, wait a minute, if I let them graze two days a week, they'll make more profits. And the other farmers think, well, if I don't let them, you know, increase their grazing, then I'll be, I'll be not, won't be able to compete with them. So I have to let them graze more. So individually, it makes the most sense to be selfish because otherwise you'll just go out of business and that's just not an option for you. So you're literally forced into a position where you have to be selfish and then collectively yeah, everyone gets screwed over. So it's the idea that one asshole kind of just ruins the fun for everybody. Uh, well, no, it's not even one asshole. Like it's, well, I suppose it is, yeah, one asshole, but you're never going to live in a world where out of millions of people, zero people want to be selfish, right? And so it yeah, only no, takes, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying there's just one, but it, right. it only takes one. Right. So the fact that someone 
can be selfish means that everyone has to, or else they'll go out of business. Which is not everyone has to be. Yeah, the recycling because everyone example. has to be. Yeah, but it's similar. Like it's the similar mm-hmm. concept, right? Because like, well, yeah, it's, I see it's not it. Exactly I see same, it. But, but that's yeah. just that's the little like little distinction there. The idea is that the collective good is not aligned with the individual good. So like individually, the decision is, you know, everyone should graze, but collectively, the best decision is you should limit grazing. And the solution is to force people, Mm -hmm. you know, not like have some enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, let me know if this works, but what about like social distancing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. if the five of us, four of us, is, is Springborn here today? No, actually, <laughs> for those of you listening at home, uh, our fifth host, Springborn, was unable to join us tonight, and we really hope that he'll be able to join us in the next episode, so stay tuned for okay, Springborn. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Um, yeah, no, it's just four of us. But if the four of us, like, I think it would be advantageous for all of us if we were in person doing this right now. Because I don't think any of you have coronavirus. And that's not very likely statistically. And, right. you know, it's just like, but we're not. And why are we not? Because if everyone thought like that and everyone reached out to all the right. people that they thought didn't have coronavirus, all of a sudden everyone we, would have, we'd all have yeah. coronavirus. Yeah, absolutely. And, right. And also imagine that, like, you were the only one who was not social distancing. You would sort of feel like, well, since... If you were the only one not social distancing, then it mm-hmm. wouldn't even be doing you any good to social distance at that point because everyone else wasn't doing it. So, oh, what's the harm in, you know... What's the harm in one more person? To... Right, right. I'm sorry, I didn't follow that. No, he meant if you were the only one that was social distancing. Was No, was not. Well... No, 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 no. Yeah, sorry, was... yeah, I mean, that's correct. Yeah, sorry, I'm... I'm yeah. yeah, yeah, so if you're the only one that yes. is social distancing, right? So, like, I'm the only one that social mm-hmm. distances and you four go and hang out, right? I'm gonna be like... All right, this is stupid. No one else is doing it, and I'm just going to join you guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. but again, everyone's all like that, right? Yeah, it's really right. But well. but something something like social distancing is a lot harder to enforce, I would think, because you know there's just not enough. I mean, you right, you can't you can't have government. police patrols be everywhere and be like, yeah, you you're you outside. just you cannot watch everyone at the same time. They outside. actually have impossible. done that in other countries, pretty in other right. Well, that's the thing. You can't do yeah, it without no. sort of drifting towards authoritarianism like our the way our country is built currently you would not be able to do something like that i mean there's always a balance between safety and liberty right right? yeah exactly um you can't have both like yeah you try to yeah you try to get like half and half or whatever like ratio you want but you're always going to piss people off no matter what the scenario is like i know a couple people that are like this virus isn't even that bad why are we social distancing jess was talking to me about this today actually and like the arg- the argument your response is like it's not so bad now because we're social yeah, distancing. Yeah, exactly. Like if this wasn't yeah. here it'd be much worse. This isn't like this is the reason it's go- it's not like affecting all of us. So you shouldn't just like discard that and be like, "Oh, it's not that bad." Like we're making it not that bad. Yeah, that's all a right. great argument, John. Another related thing that we learned about, it's like a subset of the tragedy of commons called mm-hmm. the prisoner's dilemma. Oh, yes. I know the prisoner's, oh, so know the prisoner's dilemma. This. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a similar idea in that, you know, the collective good, the thing that's good for both of you is to cooperate. But individually, when you're both making that decision, the obvious choice is to, like, betray the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, so it's, it's like, a very... It's basically a, a more specific version of the tragedy of the commons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, sure. 
We did that. Or no, that or it's the other theory. way around. I actually don't remember. <laughs> or the tragedy of the commons is a more specific version of the prisoner's dilemma. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that it's the prisoner's dilemma that's sort of the general statement, game theory statement that like there are some situations where what is good collectively doesn't line up with what is good for each individual person, mm-hmm. and so it results in people making the worst decisions, sort of counterintuitively. Mm-hmm. And and the tragedy of the commons is a more specific example of that, where you're sharing some sort of common resource that will be destroyed if everyone acts uh, selfishly. Like yeah, yeah. Got it. Yep. And so basically, Twitch stat, Twitch chat, is tragedy of commons, but the other way. So you have to explain that now. Um. So that's sort of the statement I'm saying. Not sure how well it applies. Um, but it's this idea of like one person by itself isn't good, right? Because it just like it's not like it's not right. like bad, but it's just like it's not well, well, it make doesn't it have dent. an effect. One one person doesn't right. have doesn't make a dent. But if everyone does it Right. Then well, I guess it's the opposite in that people actually are incentivized to like participate in the collective good. Yeah. You know? So it's um, like the opposite is backwards yeah yeah but so as you so, participate in the collective good your kind of individual impact decreases yeah yeah because it's still like if if i wasn't here it would still be the same thing like if 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 i didn't say oh watch out there's a monster behind you but like well people obviously people obviously don't care about that because they still do it you know mm-hmm. exactly because also like their investment isn't like I feel like right, in terms of right. investment, no, like, like punishment, yeah. It's like okay, I'm just gonna do this because it takes me two seconds to type something out on my keyboard. Right, and also um, like if it feels like you're you're like a part of something, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? You're engaging. Uh, you get to something. see your you get to see your name on screen for like a millisecond, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and it's funny. Yeah, yeah, because Twitch chat is interesting because I don't think like because you mentioned earlier with YouTube and like um, the. Like talking, uh, talking to the YouTuber versus like talking about the video, right? Mm-hmm. Um, about that sort of like threshold. I I want to say like with Twitch chat, unless you're like unless it's like a big company that's streaming, if it's like a a little, ch- if it's like any big channel individual that's streaming, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like Twitch chat is always talking to the streamer. There's never a case where yeah they're talking th- like yeah. Like most of the time, most of the time they're talking to the streamer. They're not talking. Like they're maybe they're talking about the game somewhat, but a large majority they're saying something right. meant for the streamer. If it's an individual, yeah, I streamer. think I think yeah, I think there's the same dichotomy though. Like I don't spend a lot of time on Twitch, but I I feel like I've maybe seen. You're definitely right that that's like it's more common to talk to the streamer because of the format of like they are there you know you know that you have their attention because they are actually in front of their computer with the comments presumably up yeah it's live you know it's it's like a very different medium but i still i mean obviously like you mentioned the companies that dichotomy is still there where if you have a large enough company that's streaming you will still have the the comments talking at them um Mm -hmm. but obviously there's a huge difference if you have someone in front of the screen that you know has the chat up versus Mm -hmm. a company that's streaming probably won't have like one single person they might have like you know, if it's a if it's like an esports thing, they'll have commentators that you know for a fact cannot see the chat, mm-hmm. and so no one's going to try and talk to them. Yeah, exactly. But I think yeah, I think Twitch just lends itself more to talking directly. I mean, obviously, to the thing. 
another another like talking. That's why with Rocket League, I feel like I've really been doing okay th- tonight. You know, yeah. I feel like these these Rocket League and Ramble sessions, we don't talk about the Rocket League as much. And I don't know if that's the cause of it, but both of you have been playing much better since we've started doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that- it's like you're putting on a show for people who can't see you playing the game, but you're definitely both playing a lot better. I don't know. I'm playing a lot better than last time because I was not on the TV last time. Uh, I was on. I was using handheld, and I was not using my pro controller. I was using my drifty Joy Cons. So. I mean, there have been a couple of games tonight where I was on the bottom of the scoreboard, which like never happens. Not to brag, I'm not good at Rocket League. You guys were just bad, but <laughs> there have been a couple nights, a couple games here tonight where I was at the very bottom, like not even close to catching somebody. Like there was one, I think we lost it, but there was one game where I had like 90 points, and then you both had two goals, and we still lost the game. And it was just like, wow, all right, guys, look at you go. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. I mean, not to force things to go full circle, but I wonder if that has anything to do with the idea that, like, you're not thinking about it as much. If you love full circles. Better at the video game. <laughs> you could have just left it like not connected. Music? No? <laughs> I get, I could, I could see it. I feel like, I feel like it's also, like, it's sort of like, um, like when I'm throwing a Frisbee, right? Yeah. If I think about throwing the Frisbee, like, I suck at Can Jam, you know? Oh, it's yeah, like, I same. think about throwing, I need to throw the Frisbee right there. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, in general, like, throwing a Frisbee. Well, okay, so I think, but okay, but there's a difference between, like, being better when you're thinking about something else and, uh, like, not having, so, so the thing that we were talking about, I think, was different levels of skill. Like, you, you practice so much that you get to a point where you don't, mm-hmm. you, you're just not thinking about it, versus doing it but being distracted by something else or having like a different part of your brain being occupied by something else mm-hmm. while you're doing it yeah um, but just the fact that that takes away the part of your brain i think they are connected because the distraction takes away the part of your brain that would be kind of engaged in the task but not helping you like we were talking about this in right. one of my classes because it's a it's a Taoist thing it's like wu wei is the concept and the Taoists believe you should live your whole life in this kind of flow, like effortless effort kind of state of being. And uh, my professor talked about in golf, how he's a golfer and his friend is a lot better than him. And to throw his friend off off in golfing, he'll ask this guy when he breathes during his golf swing, if he breathes on the back swing or the fore swing. And he says, as soon as he asks that question, (laughs) the guy's golf game goes down considerably. That's so evil. Well, it's it's like the that that what whatever you want to call it that thing where like you're really you can be like good at something and then as soon as somebody's watching you get really really bad at it because you're thinking about it right that's definitely true but I don't think it has to do with like acquiring like uh you know let sort of leveling up in some sure. sort of skill to the point where yeah no yeah, I think I it's agree. it's not necessarily related but it's but it's, yeah no it's, it's absolutely kind of where we went with yeah. that conversation. But I wonder if that if that it has to anything to do with the fact that you guys are good at Rocket League as we're also podcasting. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I feel like um, now that we're talking about it, I feel like I'm doing a lot worse. Yeah, <laughs> Phil, Phil, when do you breathe when you play Rocket League? <laughs> yeah, Phil, do you inhale before or after you hit the ball? I, th- I don't know. I usually inhale like inhale and exhale very quickly after I miss like a crucial thing. <laughs> I think it's I think it's also like 
when I'm just like talking about things, I'm not like thinking about Rocket League. And so my brain has to rely a lot more on the intuitive sort of where's the ball going to go and where's my car, mm-hmm. you know, and that's sort of more intuitive. And, and I like, think Rocket, there's like, there's like a feel for it, you know, whereas like if I'm thinking about Rocket League, I'm thinking about like, okay, I have to be here when the ball is here. And so I try and get there and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, like Rocket League is a game that seems to lend itself well to that kind of just like feel where the ball is and follow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because it's like it's it's such a reactionary game. It's not like a like a strict strategy game. Like it is, but it's more of a you have to be able to think on your feet and read and react to what's right. going on. And I think like that should be much more instinctual and not doesn't really lend itself to being like consciously thinking okay if he hits it this way mm-hmm, then the ball's right. gonna go here yeah so i need to move my car now and yeah it's like there's no because no then you're like, too late well thought right? out because yeah because there's no way you can predict what way that ball is gonna bounce you know i mean That's, you can yeah like it's just it's just a really it's gotta be really quick but, you can't sit there and like be consciously aware of it and you're like reaction- i feel like when you guys like were first starting and you were all like hyping me up as some kind of rocket league god and i'm like i'm not that good the only difference was I can very, very rapidly scan where the opposing car is going and figure out exactly how he will hit the ball. And I will take a very educated guess on where the ball will be, and I end up in the right spot more than I don't. See, I haven't reached that point yet because I there's for me there's just no way that I have a sense of like where the ball is going to go next. A lot of yeah, times right, I just sort of I... back up into the corner and just say, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. If I have the opportunity to go and score it, I will. But I, I feel like I feel like that's the only difference between how I play Rocket League and how you guys used to. And I'm right. not sure if you're starting to pick that up now and that's why you're playing better, but that was definitely like the skill that I had that you hadn't mastered then. It was just that I, I'm much better or I was much better at picking out where it's gonna go before it gets there. I feel like I'm using my boost a lot more effectively these past couple Good. games. You should. Because you're not chasing anything, you're using the boost to position yourself more. Mm-hmm. And then when the time is right, obviously you just let loose and launch yourself like Springborn does. Yeah. Room for room. And I think honestly, I think that was why Springborn was so good, like early on. Springborn picked up Rocket League real quick. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think it was his history of video games. He's very good at quickly scanning an entire screen, pulling out a bunch of different pieces and putting them together right away. Because he plays a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Video game's so interesting. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. There's just like a screen, and we have things, and we can, you high. and we can move things on the screen. It's like it's like a board game, but virtually. So you're coming back to computer science now. <laughs> I know it's a meme at this point, but you know, a bunch of people say like, uh, "Oh no!" You know, all the all the. I'm in, I'm going to use like the internet language now all the all the extroverts are freaking out like what am i supposed to do at home all the time (laughs) but the introverts are like oh i've been doing this my whole life but it is sort of weird how like there are a bunch of people who are who are like i have no clue what i'm gonna what i'm gonna do at home all this time like what is there to do there there are some people who it's like i you should try video games you should try them people are like what should i what should i do at home all the time i don't know how to how to have fun just at home and it's like you know that you know people have been doing this for decades now. You give it a, give it a try, maybe like give it a go. I know, break it's, I know, the it's, old I know it's not for everyone, but I think there's some you would like. I feel like you know? I feel like am I crazy? Am I crazy? I feel like I, I definitely you know? 
I definitely agree with you, but I feel like a part of the reason why a lot of people don't try video games in like especially like in times like these, um, but or just like in general is because there's there can be a general negative stigma about video games. Like, yeah, I know with like is. my parents, like I like I didn't really have video games when I was growing up. Like, I had like an Xbox and stuff like that, but always like very reluctantly, you know. And it was right. like, oh, video games are going to rot your brain. Blah, 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 blah. Right? And yeah. Like, huh? And so I feel like a lot, of people, is, yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, video games aren't for me because um, I'm not one of those people that... Right, because they're uh, dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, on top of that, like turning your brain to mush is like the, the, the old school thing. And now like people are like, oh, yeah, video games like turn people violent and aggressive. And it's like, right. I don't... I don't know because I haven't like looked at any studies and I haven't even checked if these studies are like done properly or anything, but I don't know. I feel like I was already aggressive. Like I'm a loud person. I'm a loud, (laughs) like you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm a loud guy. I didn't play a lot of video games growing up and I am a loud and aggressive person. So I feel like at least personally it, I, I, I am an, uh, an outlier here. Like I'm just, I'm an aggressive guy, and I growing up, I did not play a lot of video games. Yeah. Like, my extent of video games, for the most part, was hanging out with Springborn, and we would play, like, Mario Kart Wii or something. But, yeah, no, I did not play a lot. And That must be where the aggressiveness came from. Oh, yeah, I bet that's where it came from. <laughs> from the lack of video games. I just want to I just want to let our, our, our audience know that John is the best Mario Kart player. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. That's a bold claim. I have to specify Mario Kart Wii. No one will yeah. beat me in it's, Mario it's, Kart Wii. I thought he was I wrong. will wreck you. And, and you probably think that you're also the best at Mario Kart Wii. Because most people think that they're really good at Ma- Mario Kart Wii, right? Because you get good pretty quick. But no, John Brissett is the best <laughs> at Mario yeah. Kart Wii. I, I have interacted with, so far, four people. And I know that sounds low, but four people who swore that no one would ever beat them in Mario Kart. I, I can test it. And, yeah, Jesse was one of them. Mm. And they all came up and we did. I mean, I was willing to do 32 races, play every single course, but they didn't have the time for that. So it was usually four races and we would just play like a cup or we would pick, we would each pick two of our favorite courses, even that. And I, I don't want to brag, but Wrecked. I dominated. Wrecked. Like, like, okay, so you know how, like, when you're playing, for those of you that play Mario Kart, you know when you're playing, and, like, you're on the third lap of whatever CC, and you're, like, like half a lap ahead of everybody else? It was like that, like, constantly. Like, it wasn't like it was, like, the two people were one-two, and then all the computers were behind us. Like, and I even played some where we turned all the computers off, we turned items off, and just raced straight up, and I, mm-hmm. it was still just dominant. And don't get me wrong, I would get second most of the time, but it's just... I didn't know how he did it. You just you just can't beat Koopa me. Troopa. That's how. Koopa Troopa in the bullet bike is my go-to. I'm also a fan of the uh, jet bubble or the aqua bubble. I think it's the jet bubble. I still say <laughs> I don't play it a lot. That when I get good at manual, John, that's where I'll have you beat. Yeah, I play automatic, by the way, guys. So those of you that play manual who play it well probably have a better shot of beating me. But I'll still take you down. I'll I'll kick your ass. Well, that was that was the yeah. tangent of the Mario Kart tangent for the audience. Yeah. I feel like that was a great Mario Kart yeah. tangent. I have to threaten the audience. They have to know that I am exactly. just god tier at Mario Kart Wii. 
Yeah. And, well, if we're, if we're returning to the whole <laughs> video game stigma thing. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah um, bring it back. Bring it back. So, uh, can I, I say, Max? Fa- I yeah. love it that you made an argument. Real quick. I love it that you made an argument uh, just suggesting video games. I, I've never heard anyone like recommend video games to someone who wasn't already a gamer. Right. Mm. And it's it was, yeah, it was I'm impressed. It was cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess my point is, because Phil, because Phil is right. The reason people don't want to try it, even though it feels like the so obvious that this isn't a good time to try it, is because people will think, oh, this will like rot my brain. You know, this will, you know. I feel like I feel like also part of it is it. it I think the negative stigma, but also a lot of like the quote unquote popular games have like a for someone that isn't a gamer have a high like entrance payment right necessity. You know, that's like true. You, it's just yeah. You could, you could buy like a board of Monopoly for like ten bucks or whatever, and that's like probably even less. Well, I don't know what I don't know how much board board games cost. But when you're talking about like, oh, you should get this game, and they see it's like sixty bucks. That it's like I don't I don't right. want to invest something that I don't even know. Well, yeah, I, I mean, there's well, like, there's on, like a, there's on top a, of that, yeah. On top of that, like, do these people even have consoles? Like, yeah, there's are, there's both an economic barrier and a skill barrier. I mean, the thing about the economic barrier though is like everyone has a phone. There are tons of great games on the phone, right? Or an iPad, or even on PC. Like you can, you know, like you like get Minecraft Rocket League is, on PC. Yeah, might be Rocket League on PC. Minecraft is twenty bucks on PC. You know, people have to fiddle with. You know, they have to fiddle with software that they're not familiar with. Oh, I have to install Steam. What's this? It's going to give me a virus. Like, no, everyone has it. Just it's fine. It's free. It's not going to. You know, there's no. There's no. There's not a catch. You know, people are like, oh, I'm yeah. going to install Steam. Do I have to pay for it? Do I? No. Like, you, you know, you just install it. But people aren't used to that. But the econ- I don't think the economic barrier is an issue because of that. Like like I said, you know, you can buy like Stardew Valley. If you don't want violent video games, you can buy Stardew Valley for like ten bucks, you know, mm-hmm. on Steam. So I don't think that's an issue. The more interesting barrier I think is like a lot of video games rely on a sort of uh, a sort of like la- a language of video games that's been built up over years mm. of video games. So, like... Interesting. The concept of an inventory that, you know, like, a player has certain items that they've acquired, and if you pick up an item, you'll be able to access it later, and normally the way that you access the inventory is, oh, I might press the start button or, like, the X button. Like, there are some common buttons that are always used to do like something. like A is jump in- or something. Exactly. There are, like, very common... Uh, what's, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Uh, archi- like No, not archetypes. Uh, someone help me out here. What's the word I'm looking for? Where it's like, I'm not sure what the exact word is. Well, anyway. just, like, I think it might be archetypes. Like, yeah. Well, so like terminology would be like lingo. Like it's not slang anymore, but it would be like <sighs> like the vocabulary of a video game. Right. Is like very the, different. Yeah. Than there are certain like things that life. are in common with. I feel like different video games. I feel. Like I watched I sh- an interesting video about. It was like you know, oh, my wife who's never played video games plays Breath of the Wild or something, right? Like some video game, and it was really interesting because the the person who made the video talks a lot about things that they took for granted that the game explains to them, but that their wife, who had never played video games before, just had a hard time grasping. Like, being able to move the camera around was a big thing, because she didn't even realize that if you use the right joystick, you can actually move around the camera, because that's just a common thing in almost every, like, third-person or first-person video games, is that the right stick moves the camera around, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's not something that's ever explained to you when you start playing a video game. It's like, oh, you just use the right stick or, you know, use the left stick to move, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, and usually it's either, like, there's, like, 
like a really old game that like first introduces it tells you or are you like as a kid you accidentally stumble upon it and then right. you just remember it at that right. point but it's so it's so like ingrained into your mind just like the to bring it all back the unconscious knowing thing you don't even think about that you don't have to be told how to move the camera right you just know how to do it mm-hmm. the game yeah, doesn't exactly. need to tell you but if someone's completely new to games they might be lost on a lot of stuff i think so I, there's a it's a general I feel like I should know the word for it. It might be archetype, but what you're talking about, it's like conventions. Uh, maybe it's conventions. Convention. Maybe word. it's conventions. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's um, probably convention. Because I took going back to a class I took. Um, I took a class on user design, right? And like right. there are certain conventions that you're you follow when you design something, right? It can be a video game, but it can also be a website. It can also be like a door handle, right? Typically, right. doorknobs are on the right side when you're or like. Maybe that's one thing, like doorknobs on the right side. Like, that's not that's a bad example, um, but like I don't know, uh, like a convention that's like okay, the shower starts off at cold and then starts off cold on the right, hot on the left, or something like that. You know, and it's like right. these these design conventions that people sort of get used to, and then when you break them, people start having a hard time using your shower. Right. You know. Right. And it's like, or it's like, uh, like the X in all the Windows thing. The mm-hmm. X to close a window is always top right. Well, unless you're on uh, Mac. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's <laughs> and it's it's interesting because whenever I'm on a Mac, I always get really confused because I'm used to yeah. the X being top right and the minimize being up there as well. But right. it's on the other side and different stuff. But it goes back to yeah. like if, if you're used to using something, then yeah. Absolutely. And then, yeah, and, and, and visually too, and this also applies to video games, things like the gear always represents settings. Like if you see a gear icon, <laughs> you know, in anything, what is it? Oh, I'm looking for settings. Even if you, you don't need to look up, oh, how do I go to the settings? Just to look for the gear and you're good. Or like on iOS, if you want to share something, oh, just look for that little box with the arrow going out of it, the mm-hmm. share square. That's All what design. I'm looking for when I want to share it, you know? Or like when you want to search something, magnifying glass. Yeah, exactly. But you're right, um, there is only a really, there's a limited amount of those things. I mean, so what do you mean? Of conventions, you know? So it, it does, yeah. it, there is this kind of entrance level difficulty. But once you even have a, your foot in the door, it's like you, you can expand out. Right. Well, I'm, I mean, my point is that it's, it's not a trivial thing for someone to just pick up a video game and expect mm-hmm. to be as, you know, like if, if you have two people and they've never played a game before... But one of them has been playing games their entire life. Yeah. You know, that person will have just a huge head start in being able to understand how to play that game. Mm -hmm. One of you guys. Like astronomical. And so, yeah. So I guess my point about just try video games, uh, it's not going to be as easy as, oh, you just, like, there is a sort of, I guess, I I guess you'd call it like a cultural barrier almost. It's almost like learning a new language. You have to get used to all these conventions and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same way when you're like, when you're helping old people with their phone or technology or whatever, you instantly, if they're using some app, you instantly know, oh, settings are here. Sharing is here. The reason they're having trouble with that is not, you know, it's just because they don't know what that, oh, if I'm looking for settings, you're looking for a gear. Oh, I want this, you know, this feature to be accessible. How do I, how do I do that? If you, you having never learned how to use that app, you can instantly figure out this is where the settings are. This is how you share documents or whatever. Sure. And, yeah, just based on you your know, experience with other apps. Yeah. Right, but then, so, here's a question. Do you think, then, if we're recommending people to try video games during all this, um, should they go for an older system that has less complex things? Like, like I'm just, I'm thinking back here. I 
the first game I ever played was Bomberman on a Game Boy Color. That's a good and, question. I yeah, I don't think I actually think that if you go too old, you run into limitations with the user interface of really old systems that makes them actually more annoying to use. Yeah. Like you you yeah. look at you look at like a Game Boy, there are there's a start button and then there's a D-pad and there's an A and a B and then there's also a select button, but it's not used often. I feel like I feel but, like once you get back to the games that have user manuals, then you've gone too far. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And and if and if if we're actually making recommendations for people to get into games, I wouldn't. I would say don't go for a console. Just there's games on the phone. There's games on the device that you already use every day. And the interface, you don't need to learn a bunch of button mappings. You know, like what buttons are usually what. You know, it's just it's a touch screen. So if there's a button, it will appear on the screen and it will have some indication of what that button does. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my recommendation. Is like use the the device that you already have, and there. Are, Plenty of great games for. I feel like a lot of them aren't conducive to spending hours at a time, you know, uh, killing time indoors. But as sort of like a uh, gateway drug to, you know, (laughs) yeah, like you can, like, like there, like I don't think there's a single game on my phone ever that I would like devote three hours of a day to at any given point. But the games on my phone are a really good way to like break up my day or separate tasks or something like that like it's it's enough of a reprieve like something new and different to allow me to turn off whatever i was focusing on or distract myself from whatever i'm thinking about or whatever like i'll i'll use uh i'll hop on clash of clans between like paragraphs of an essay and i'll make one attack and that's just enough because it's just like a break from what i'm working on right Right? but i'm not going to sit there and play clash for like four hours i'm not that kind of guy Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are people that do it, but I'm not one of them. And I think um, for phones, the interesting thing about phones is that, like, I feel like there are so many games out there that I personally, like, so many great games out there that I personally are, am not going to get because they cost 99 cents. Oh, yeah. And, like, for some reason, my brain is like, no, games on the phone right. should be free. And so, therefore, Absolutely. I'm only going to get free yeah. games. And I, there's so I'm many, also of like, that school of I remember there was, there was a game that I really enjoyed that I accidentally bought and it was like $7. It was called like Infinity Blade and it was like a huge game. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like, I really enjoyed it and I played the heck out of that game and I really enjoyed it. Right. But yeah, even, like looking back on, it, I'm like $7 is way too much for that game. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it is, it is like a meme that I've seen a lot where people have that same reaction of like, being willing to spend sixty dollars on a console game, but being unwilling to spend one dollar on a phone game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, because I feel like with the phone game, it feels like on that phone and also taking up space that you might eventually want to use. Yeah, you know, well, and it also might be like a supply and demand thing. Like there are so many free games on the phone that are actually pretty good that mm-hmm. when you see one that's a dollar, it feels like you're being scammed. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, well, and on on top of that, there's also knockoff games. So like. If there's a game that costs a dollar that you don't want to get, chances are you can find a version with like slightly shittier graphics, but it's the same gameplay for free. Like there's there's so many replica games out there now. There's hey also... boys, y'all are awesome. I'm falling asleep. I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Everyone else has stopped recording. It's just me. You can just hear my voice. He 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 he. Uh. I'd say we'd had a good Rocket League performance tonight. I think Max and I really stepped up our game tonight. I think for me, the simple sort of the simple style helped a lot. John, John, 
I I could have expected some more from John. You know, he was John. John was better than 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 like me. I think most of the time, but also like he wasn't that much better. So like we vibe in. And John and John has stopped recording, so he cannot he cannot defend himself. Um, and yeah, so I'm gonna sign off for the night. Uh, it's been good talking, boys. And uh, John's not gonna leave this in. All right, see ya.